0: Welcome to the Intercut podcast channel. I'm your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and today I'm joined by Luke Lorenson and Kellen Quinn, the director and the producer of A Still Small Voice, a really powerful documentary that follows an aspiring hospital chaplain as she begins a year-long residency working in spiritual care for patients at the end of their life and dealing with the support or lack of support she receives on her journey. If you've been listening to or watching Intercut for the past year, you've probably heard us talk about A Still Small Voice. It's one of the best movies, We saw at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. It's one of my picks as well as one of Arturo's picks for the best documentaries of the year. We brought it up way at the end of 2023 during our Hidden Gems video. Even if you haven't had a chance to see A Still Small Voice, I still hope you'll stick around for my conversation with Luke and Kellen. It's a really interesting talk that gets into how they approach documentary filmmaking, their thoughts on the current state of documentaries, as well as what it was like to try and sell their really special film, as well as... As the really interesting situation involving their previous film, Midnight Family, which has since been optioned into a fictional series set to premiere on Apple TV Plus sometime next year. So stick around. I hope you'll enjoy this conversation with Luke Lorenzen and Kellen Quinn for a still small voice. This is the, the second documentary that you've made that sort of is exploring kind of like the, the human side to uh, different types of people in the medical provider industry. Is there something that that draws you to that area? Is it uh your your sister's work or is it something else? They feel like really different
1: entry points, mm-hmm. um, but also very related films. Uh so I, I think it's unlikely I make another medical film in the, near, <laughs> in the near future. Um, it's not like a specific interest of mine thematically, but I I do find myself drawn to um the depth of material that occurs in these situations where the stakes are so high and where people are going through um, really life-changing moments. As an observational filmmaker, you know, a hospital or an ambulance, just a lot of feelings happen um, and being there for them has been, um, yeah, just very powerful for me and, and wanting to sort of give that to audiences
0: through the films. Absolutely. So how did that uh, fascination ultimately bring you to Mount Sinai? So the seed for the project
1: came from my sister, Claire, Mm -hmm. who opened my eyes to the field of chaplaincy in a much more multidimensional way. I I don't come from a religious background. And it was in conversations with her that I was able to see the work as really a type of relational healing. where the craft is sort of learning how to connect and make people feel seen and understood, which is a lot of the same things I was learning and working to get better at with my filmmaking. Um, so it, it was really a curiosity that got me started and I, I started reaching out to hospitals and chaplaincy programs all around the US. Um, maybe spoke with a hundred different people working in the field, trying to see if my interest sort of remained. And and then the second step was, you know, who would open their doors to the the project. And Mount Sinai um, responded with an enormous amount of enthusiasm for it, particularly Amy Strano, who's the director of the department in our first Zoom call together. I think she was quick to see the film as um, something that could potentially bring awareness and understanding to the work that the chaplains were doing it was a moment where they had just made it through the first wave of the pandemic and the the department had really held the enormously difficult feelings of that moment and had not gotten a whole lot back from that not even a real awareness or sort of understanding of the work so she um invited me to come for like a one-week scout shoot where we got to know each other and um, the department got to experience what it was like to have me and my camera there. And um, our relationship sort of began and and grew over the course of a, a really a year-long
0: period of working together. Is that common for you to do kind of like a, a scout shoot or did it just happen to be part of this process? In different ways, I think, yeah. I think with
1: Midnight Family... It was a similar, you know, starting point of hey, can I tag along for a few nights and just see what what it is you do? And um and the project grew from there. It's it's such a long process, it's impossible to just say, I want to spend the next year with you filming it. You know, you need to
0: build your way towards towards that with smaller bits. Kellen is this sort of the stage that you were getting involved with the film as well? I
2: was involved from from the beginning with Luke um yeah. having yeah um but it's it's often not the case that I'm involved so early. Um I think the fact that Luke and I had done a film together previously allowed this one to to be something where where I was part of the, the initial conversations. Um, and, and I really love that. I think it's, it's a way I would like to keep working. Um, but as an independent producer, often I get called in when people have gotten something going up to a certain point and suddenly realize like, Oh, we need, we need more. There's, there's other stuff that has to be figured out now. Um, so yeah, this one, this one was really gratifying to sort of be part of from, from start until, this process where
0: we're bringing it out out into the world. Totally. Um, And producer is this potentially kind of like amorphous role. Obviously, lots of different people have the term producer attached to them, but specifically given the type of smaller, uh, maybe smaller budgeted, a more intimate style of film what is your role in, in producer? How many hats, I guess, are you ultimately uh, wearing along this process? I don't think I can count it in terms of number of hats, (laughs) Um, but it's a,
2: it's a role that I think I'm still trying to sort of not define, but figure out. It really does vary project to project in a way. Um, What I like to do is sort of not, not sort of, um, needing to be active in every single facet of the project, but having a sense of what every component needs and sort of hold an awareness of all of that and then be the person who can bring all these pieces together when they need to be brought together. Um, In collaboration with Luke, it's like particularly gratifying to really have conversations around all the creative questions, how those relate to sort of practical and administrative and budgeting and scheduling questions but really with that with the sort of intentions the artistry at the center I seek that out in everything I do it varies the the degree to which that is possible um and also teams of that are larger with other producers sometimes we split up roles but for me it's like some combination of working as a a translator a a person who holds things together and someone who can maintain a a certain kind of perspective that is needed throughout um that involves both the tiny tiny details and also this sort of larger sense of where we're going and yeah when that works it's it's wonderful and it's also uh forever changing and yeah
1: particularly Uh, with project like kellen's high level oversight allowed me to to sort of let go and just shoot and just be in the hospital and Mm -hmm. and check in um sometimes every day after a shoot and it made me feel very um comfortable with my ground
0: level view of things Mm -hmm. yeah i can imagine particularly given how uh vulnerable a lot of the moments that you're capturing are and just how how like emotionally uh, draining that that kind of experience must be like to then be able to have that partner to bounce off of who can maybe zoom out and take a look at the bigger picture is a a tremendous uh, guide for this process
1: yeah totally and and with an enormous amount of trust behind it because we had just made midnight family together and really Learned how to work together and, and sort of what how we how we see things and understand things in a in a similar way.
0: Is there like a, a particular moment during the production of this that you you can recall where it was really helpful to be able to have that that sounding board or that uh, something that Kellen maybe was able to help you in your process of uh, documenting things?
1: There's sort of two moments that come to mind, um, working with Mati was a very slow build, um, Mm -hmm. of, of building trust and, um, getting to a place where we were actually able to be together with, with patients took six months of, of talking and, um, and it was really difficult like mm-hmm. really difficult to see things in a collaborative way. And and Kellen was an incredible third perspective for both of us. Mm-hmm. I think he was also able to build trust with Mati and was able to um, facilitate some of the harder decisions that we needed to make um, and helped sort of come in without the emotional for the same emotional weight that Mati and I had from being in the hospital so much and and sort of provide a clean slate to build um, something together. Um, there were also moments where I, I was having, just because of the compounding stress of being there, just like outsized reactions to things. So often, you know, the, Mm-hmm. A moment that felt really big to me, but when talking to Kellen about it, it, it could feel smaller, and that was a consistent um, re- type of reassurance that that was essential, really.
0: <clears throat> totally. So, from some from conception of the idea to ultimately now in this process of taking the film out and promoting it, how, how long have you two spent working on this documentary?
1: I believe the first phone call. I was like, hey, what do you think about Chaplain's <laughs> was in April of 2020? Um. Wow. Yeah, I, I had actually gotten a call from Matt Heineman about his COVID film. And I was like, maybe <laughs> I should my own one. Um that's and uh from there it was six months of development work, um, phone calls with people, and we did our first shoot in September of 2020 um shot until july 2021 edited till the fall of 2022 and then premiered at sundance so uh three i guess uh three and a half years is
0: that right yeah amazing two and a half um, years, three and a half years and how much did the project ultimately stay true to what you maybe hoped for it or expected it to be when you started on that journey?
1: In many ways, it, um, it became sort of the best version of what I was hoping for. Great. <laughs> um, and in other ways, took radical turns left and right that nobody ever could have imagined. Um, I knew that I wanted it to be a purely observational dive into the work of chaplaincy and particularly the experience that chaplains feel in doing uh, this day in and day out. I wanted it to have those sort of multiple layers. Um, But I didn't at first know Mati at all. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I didn't know who the protagonists would be, and and spent the year really filming with all four residents in the cohort, Mm -hmm. Um, and they each grew in different directions, and it wasn't until um, we were in the edit that we made the really difficult and sort of bold decision to focus it entirely on Mati's work and her place in the cohort and her work with David. which meant cutting out uh, or sort of putting to aside an assembly that was trying to tell three other stories like Matis all at once. Um it was just in practical terms, too much for one film. And I think what's unexpected about the film that we have now is how
2: specific it got,
1: um, really focusing on a few core tensions and feeling like those are universal and very wide-reaching, but also very specific. Absolutely. Can
2: I add something to that, Zach, which just sort of on the outside is really, I, I've come to understand in in working with Luke, which is like the idea is often a sort of, it, there's a sort of essential quality to the idea that Luke seems to work with. When I joined him with Midnight Family, part of what, he first said to me was wanting to be able to share with an audience, some something of the experience he had the first night he was in that ambulance, and then the questions and bits of information that started to to sort of filter in over the subsequent nights and to be able to take an audience on a path that that didn't replicate it exactly, but kind of offered a, a similar sense of unfolding and discovery. And so was a long winding path to actually get to that in the film in the edit itself and and with this one there was like a real question of like what is spiritual care and what does it offer what does it look like and exactly how that was going to come through in a film wasn't clear at the outset but but that central question was the thing that that he kept circling back to that we kept circling back to Again and again. And it, it ended up being above all Mati's Mati's time in this residency that felt like the most resonant way to explore it. And so I I think that kind of like curiosity and question-centered approach is really beautiful and, and allows for the observational approach to to give something. Um and yeah, it, it makes the process so uncertain, but so exciting and like. It's, it's so, I don't know, I, I really love it. It's very rare to be able to make films in that way right now. And um, feels we feel, I think, lucky to be able to do so.
1: Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals.
0: That might be a a good point to pivot to this other question I was curious about because I I did have a question about uh, maybe the documentary world in general because this is like a big boom time for a certain type of documentary, but one that is probably counter to, I think, the way Luke, you you try to make documentaries, and Kellen, even the way that uh, many of the films that you've worked on seem like uh, much quieter, much more observational than the kind of splashy, netflix true crime celebrity docs that are popular now i'm curious how the boom in that type of documentary has affected the the market for the types of films that you both are are trying to make if it's rising tide lifts all boats or if you find that maybe there's like less space for you to put your forward your kinds of documentaries yeah kellen might have a
1: better answer to this than me but i I think it's constantly changing and it's really hard to know where everything is, is going and it, it's not just the industry, it's the pandemic and mm-hmm. and the economy. It's, it's like a lot of factors unfolding at once. And um, the experience we had with Midnight Family and its release was very different from the experience we've had with this film in terms of um, who's willing to support it and sort of take it out into the world. Um, I think the short answer is, is it feels like a very, very challenging time for a film like this. Mm. And uh, big platforms seem pretty universally uninterested in the types of films that Kellen and I are most interested in. Um, There have been times when they might have sort of gone for something like this, and at least in this year, have not. Um, so it's really more of a question that we're also trying to answer: of mm-hmm. what do we make of it all, and how do we, how do we set ourselves up to be, you know, to make a living and continue making films that we think are really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's almost comedic how simple this sort of like celebrity or true crime menu is that that is out there right now and i'm Mm -hmm. really hoping that with some time
0: it can open up a bit more absolutely um kellen i don't know if you had any thoughts on that as well yeah it is it's
2: undeniably tough right now Mm -hmm. um and everything that luke said feels spot on um All I would add is that being nimble is part of how we approach making films. And I think we are having to apply that to thinking about how they get out into the world more. And that's not a brand new thing in documentary. It's a a thing that was part of getting documentaries seen for a very, very long time. And so it's an enormous amount of work, but people are trying old tactics, new ones, and, I find that exciting the it's always this balance of like how much time and energy do we have for that versus moving on to the next film um and I'm excited by some of the things that other folks are trying and and hope that out of that emerge new possibilities but there's no getting around it being a, a rough moment now. And, and I think one of the other really big questions is like, what, what has happened to audiences like have audiences fundamentally changed? I don't think we know that for sure. I mean, we can mm-hmm. sort of make guesses based on how we get certain pictures of things from, from streamers and whatnot, but. Yeah, like if audiences fundamentally changed some of the way we think about things also needs to change and um, some of that feels really uh, can feel grim, but but it has to we have to approach it as possibility and and sort of an impetus to explore more. I don't think the point of making films the way we make them is just to insist that there was once something better and people need to come back around to it so
0: yeah yeah need
2: to muster the energy for it
0: yeah absolutely i mean it it definitely it feels like it can be uh discouraging w- with most of our entertainment being served up to a sort of like algorithmically designed for whatever's gonna be the most sticky or whatever but i don't know i at least would like to think that like remarkable art can can find its audience or find its place and you know i'd i know several people who have been really really touched by this documentary so i'm i'm hoping that it will find its way to the people who will appreciate it for uh for the remarkable thing that it is um that, i did want to ask just yeah, go ahead quickly um that we experience with midnight family
1: It's like it it takes several years to to even find your audience yeah. and it's it's easy to want the sort of quick streaming platform offer that makes you feel like you got that audience in right off the bat. And and it's a process of like slowly finding the people for this movie. And, and that's what we're
0: working on. Absolutely. Are either of you, uh, working on anything new now as well, or is your focus still on, uh, still small voice? For me, it's, uh, a still small voice. I, I don't have another,
1: uh, immediate project lined up by spending some time teaching in the Stanford film program um, and, you know, touring around with with a few things and, you know, but not sure yet what's next.
2: Mm-hmm. I have a number of other projects, probably too many to list right now, but <laughs> just since this is something that uh, is very much of this moment, I have a film premiering at Doc NYC today. Um, Congratulations. Called Chicken, directed by Asher Leventhal and uh yeah other things to follow but but that and the still small voice are the ones that are sort of ready for
0: for the world Great. uh luke so you're maybe more in like the exploratory stage is that like the are you, are you doing are you even considering like test shoots or is it more just like rattling stuff around in your brain and seeing what what really uh sticks with your your thoughts yeah it's
1: not yet shooting um reading, wandering yeah. around, thinking, talking to people. Um, yeah, it's, because these last two films came from such random, seemingly random, unpredictable places, it's, it's I, I can't just like, sit down and, and work my way to the next idea, but <laughs> trying to put myself in situations where I, uh, can listen and be curious and and stay open to to the next thing that
0: finds me. I guess is sort of what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, if only inspiration were uh, it's easy to force, but uh, I'm sure <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they'll find something great. Um, have either of you seen any other films or documentaries recently that you can't stop thinking about? Um, Kelly I know you were mentioning there some exciting things you've noticed in the world of documentary. Luke, go first if something comes immediately to my I mind. I saw
2: Anselm last night. Oh, incredible, yeah. I really
1: found it special and poetic and dreamlike and very craft-forward, which is my type of, of filmmaking. It felt like, obviously, Wim Wenders just really knows what he's doing. And it was nice to be challenged as an audience and, and trust that it was something to really pay attention to um that's the the media answer
2: yeah i saw you were my first boyfriend last night which i found delightful and and um yeah really kind of inventive some of the the strongest use of recreations in a documentary that i've seen and then completely on a, in a different realm of of documentary filmmaking i saw the frederick Weissman film a few weeks ago and was just like drawn into that pacing that just takes you out of all the the hubbub and mess around us, and I I really really enjoyed that. Um, Absolutely, see Anselm
0: too, but I haven't caught it yet. Yeah, I, I can't wait! I can't wait to watch that. Uh, the Wiseman one. It sounds so exciting. Um, uh, I, I also just wanted to ask quickly. I I read that Midnight Family had been. Uh, optioned into a series. I don't know if you know much or anything about, about what's going on with it now, but can you talk a little bit about the the process of when that became a possibility and uh, what that was like? Cause it's fairly unusual for a, a documentary like yours to get optioned like that. Yeah. Uh, it's been a
1: very exciting process. Um, a company called Fabula approached us Um in early 2020 um, and acquired the, the rights to it and ended up working with Apple on a 10-part series that Kellen and I are EPs on and is in the can and, and will be released soon. I, we, we don't have a date yet. I think there's still a few pieces to, to fall into place, but um, it's
0: on its way. It's exciting. Um, well, thank you both, Luke Kellen. I, I really appreciate the chance to get to talk to you. I, Luke, I think you're uh to me at least the perhaps the most exciting verite documentary and working right now. So I'm just I'll, I'll be there for whatever's coming next. I'm excited for it and and hope it finds its people because they, it really deserves to. It's a, both films are really, really special. Thanks, Zach. It means a lot. You're like just
1: excitement about. Not just these films, but film in general is coming through the screen. It's inspiring. So <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Um I hope we can uh have a conversation like this again soon. Yeah. Please come say hi if you if you uh, oh. if we're ever
0: in the same room again. Yeah, definitely. Next uh next Sundance premiere. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <laughs>